On this week's episode, can Tenet bring people back to the theaters? Will HBO Max be the future home of anime? And is disintegration following in Halo's footsteps? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Cheryl Glassford coming right back at you here from Pop Culture Cosmos. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please, 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 give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Like subscribe whatever you can do to support the show it is truly appreciated we cannot thank you enough for it we know there are millions of podcasts out there and we know if you're listening to ours you've searched us out you really like what we do and we cannot thank you enough for it but it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend he is our own man who is awesome from pop culture cosmos you got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com. His awesome, speaking of awesome, podcast, Topicocalypse, and of course his awesome, awesome book, Congratulations You Suck, which you can find today at Barnes & Noble and Amazon. It is my good friend. It is. The awesome man himself, Josh Peterson. What's up, man? Hey, hey, just uh, took a trip down to Barnes & Noble earlier this morning. Let me ask you a question real quick. The guy that wrote the Witcher novels, and Andrew Sapkowski, I think his name is. I so. uh, I'm probably not pronouncing that right. But they took his book. So he's been a fantasy writer long before the video games came out, right? But they took his book now, and they're, in Barnes & Noble, they're categorized under gaming instead of fantasy. Do you think that that's a boon to him? I would say so because that's how people can identify it. And in the future, as Witcher 3 is a little bit more in the back burner, Cyberpunk 2077, it becomes the main property now of the Witcher 3 developer and the Witcher series becomes more popular. You may see that book sheltered and put over into the books into TV adaptations then instead. So... I mean, it's, it's now becoming a bigger world for The Witcher. Right now, we associate it with the video game, but seeing the success of The Witcher on Netflix and how many people are excited for Season 2, which is going to be starting production here very soon, according to what most people are saying, they see that as the main source of adaptation from The Witcher books. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that, that makes sense. I just, I feel like you're kind of delegitimizing him as a, you know, like if you took Stephen King and you put him in a section like Pet Cemetery and put it in the section about pet books, you know, like it's kind of delegitimizing him as an author. But I mean, you know, if it helps himself, that's Barnes and Noble's marketing strategy and sells more books and hey, go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the end goal is where do people identify it right now the most? And that's probably where they identify it the most. Now, if you go to BarnesandNoble.com or Amazon.com, it may be under gaming books, but it may also be under fantasy books, which I'm sure is what it was in the first place, if I'm not mistaken. 
Yeah, you'd find it in the fantasy novels. I mean, that's where... I mean, and that goes the same thing about Lord of the Rings, though, right? Because it has video games, like Dungeons and Dragons type things based on it. So does that mean it's going to be removed from fantasy and put into another section? The lines are very blurred when it comes to uh, book genres. Well, the only thing is the Witcher fantasy series wasn't as well known as the Lord of the Rings series. Lord of the Rings had developed a ton of video games and RPGs and things of that nature, but it's never really had anything as successful as the book. The video game, I think, became more popular than the book series itself it was based upon. Yeah, yeah, it'll, just, it'll be interesting to see. Like, if, say, you have something pop, like another popular fantasy series, like Shannara, for example, like, if they made a video game out of that, then would that be shifted into gaming? It's just, it feels very unnecessary to me. And, like, I don't know if I were an author, if, you know, if I would feel good about that, if that makes sense. Well, what if Congratulations, You Suck became a first-person shooter, and that became a mega hit on the PlayStation 5, let's say, and it becomes a mega hit? People are going to identify Congratulations, You Suck with the video game as opposed to the book, and they're going to walk in and... They may not be able to go ahead and they're scouting where Congratulations You Suck would be normally in the in the bookshelves. They probably wouldn't associate it there or probably wouldn't you make a second guess. But if they look in the video game section, hey, oh, wow, this is what the hit video game is based off of. I'm going to go ahead and, and look more into the book. I, I get what you're saying, but I think in that case it should be in both sections. And, you know, I know this argument, not argument, but like this, all of this that I'm talking about is doesn't matter anyways because most people just order books off amazon these days anyways so uh, i don't know it's just it was something that i was thinking about when i was buying books this morning it should be in both places that's not in question i agree with you 100 percent there if it's solely in one now maybe it's because of a space issue at the store but online it should be in both sections no doubting and i'm also waiting for bioware to give you a call in regards to that congratulations you suck first person shooter yeah, seriously, Bioware, come on, come on. Just don't put the B-Squad on it like you did Mass Effect Andromeda. Exactly, exactly. Do it better this time around. It's just funny because, you, you know, every time you would die, you would say, hey, congratulations, you suck. <laughs> but it is going to be a great episode we've got coming up for you today. Another nine in our countdown of the top 100-ish movies from the pop culture cosmos as voted upon by our followers and listeners of the pop culture cosmos so number 60 to 69 will also come up later in the program and then we'll also be talking about a new game coming out this week from the makers of halo disintegration i want to see if josh has caught wind of it and what his thoughts are if it's going to be a big hit or if it's going to be something that may get swept under the rug but again, it has that Halo pedigree, so let's talk about a little bit more coming up in the program about how well that game can translate to gamers at this point in time. Plus also, HBO Max has, has a good little start off with anime. If you go ahead and check out the channels that are listed there on HBO Max and you see the kind of programs that they have, it's not there yet with some of the other competitors, but what I want to ask him is, in his knowledge and, and background with anime, could it become a future big-time home of anime? But first, my friend, I don't know if you've been checking during the quarantine, but movies seem to be a distant thing for a lot of people, and they're not really concerned about it. They're not really wanting to go, or they're not really interested in it. But the folks that are 
representing Tenant, they're actually making them available for a July release. They want Tenet to be the first major tentpole movie of the summer, of the return to theaters, of the return during this pandemic. So I want to ask you, my friend, I've watched the videos in detail on several occasions already for the trailers. I'm really psyched about it. I've seen Christopher Nolan's movies before as far as the Batman trilogy, Inception, etc., etc. Of all the Christopher Nolan's films that, that I've actually seen as far as coming up to it in the trailers, I don't think I could be any more excited than what's coming in the future for Tenet. So Chris Nolan is is a fantastic filmmaker. Like he's got the street creds, right? He's got the street creds. So if you're somebody who is is on the fence about if if you don't know anything about Chris Nolan films, then you wouldn't know some of the you know the big things about him. But what everyone does know about him are is that his movies are meant to be watched in a movie theater. So if you are watching it at home, like, yeah, it's still good, but you're not getting the same experience. You're not getting all the sounds. You're not getting like the, uh, you know, the, the big panoramic view of everything. You're not, you're, you're not really getting all of that stuff. And it's like, it's so much more intense when you're watching it in theaters. Like I had just got done watching, you know, I'll, no, we'll talk about this movie later, but Mad Max Fury Road. And though that's not a Christopher Nolan film, like he did a great job of really highlighting Tom Hardy as an actor in his films. And that's kind of what got Tom Hardy to kind of blow up a little bit. So he does a great job of highlighting acting skills. The writing's always good. He's really good at suspense. So yes, to answer your question, I am stoked to go see Tenet. Is it enough to take me out to the movie theaters? Heck yeah, it is. I'm not excited to go see like Mulan or something, but a movie like this, like this is a big popcorn flick, you know? And well, I'm not... you and I wanted to go see Mulan. We were kind of very interested to yeah. see Mulan. Yes, I do want to see Mulan, but I mean like if there's something that I would, that would, would absolutely drag me out to the movie theaters, then yes, Tenet would be a film like that because it is a popcorn experience. You know, it is something that I would want to sit there. And if that means I have to sit in a movie theater, come home and take a shower afterwards to get all whatever potential COVID germs would be end up on me, then yeah, I'd be willing to do that because this is a movie that is something that I, I do want to watch. I love Christopher Nolan films. I've seen every one of his movies in theaters, Inception, Dunkirk, the Dark Knight films. Like, yes, yes, yes. This is something I would definitely go to the theaters to watch even in this post-pandemic world just because... I feel like it deserves to be seen. Just watching the trailers, I've been blown away by it. It has that Inception vibe. It's got the music. It's got everything that we know and love from Chris Nolan. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And here's the, the thing, though, that, like, confuses me is that, you know, you, you have a lot of people saying that, like, if you're going out, you're just spreading germs. But, I mean, where I'm at, everything's open. It's not like I'm going out and, like, licking handrails or something. You know, I'm sure that the theater's doing their part to sanitize things. And I feel like I've been careful myself. So I, I just, I would do it. But, I mean, that's a choice that I'm making, not to say everyone else has to do it. But, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go to the theaters to see this movie. Would you go? I want to be able to enjoy it. I don't want to have to sit there for two hours and think to myself, okay, is somebody coughing? 
is somebody doing this, somebody doing that, that could potentially harm me or whoever is going with me. That's what I'm worried about. If any movie can drag me back into the theaters right now, it is Tenet because it looks so good. But I'm worried, my friend. I'm going to be honest with you. If I cannot sit down and enjoy the film, it takes all the fun. If I'm going to be going, I'm watching the film and I'm also paying, trying to pay attention to that dude two rows away from me. Did he just sneeze? Did he just cough? Are the droplets coming my way? That's what I'm worried about. I might have to wear a hoodie, long sleeves, gloves, goggles, N95 mask if I can find one just to even go and sit way up in the corner on the very far corner because I'm just so worried about what's going on. And that to me is is now could be the norm at least for a little while when it comes to watching movies or people that are watching movies in the age of the coronavirus. That's a very fair point, you know, because are you going to deny yourself the experience of seeing a movie in the theater just because you don't want to get sick? But then this is probably going to be the norm for, what, six months to a year to two years. So who knows? You know, it's like it just depends on how long do you want to hide yourself away or how much you want to put yourself at risk. It's going to vary depending on everybody. But I mean, you know, you brought up a good point. Like when the movie theaters open, what are the rules going to be? Are they going to require people to wear masks? Do you have to wear gloves when you walk in will they provide you with this stuff like that's a good question because i went to the mall yesterday up the street here and in order to go into a lot of the stores you have to wear masks like they stand at the door and they hand you masks and they only let so many people in at a time so i wonder you know you had mentioned the guy coughing right like i'm sure in the movie theaters they're going to have you spaced out probably by at least two or three seats you know, and that, I'm sure that goes the same with people behind you. So I, I'm I'm curious, like, how are they going to regulate the six feet apart stuff like that? There's a lot of things for the movie theaters are going to have to work on, you know, because if they can't get this figured out, this goes back to what we were saying before, like this putting things straight to digital could very well be the death of theaters because if they can't get their stuff figured out and people aren't going to see movies, I don't think studios are going to risk losing that income on films because theaters can't like figure out how to regulate this kind of thing and i know i've spoken to noe and fine about going to the theaters and he's already gone back to the theaters and he's experienced a good time because he's been the only one or one of the few very few in the theaters so you could really spread yourself out and that's great when there's really either old stuff or things that are not exactly the highest box office value features that are out there but when it comes to a movie like Tenet, which is going to be a major tentpole movie and something that a lot of people like us want to see, there's going to be more people in the theaters, which brings that higher risk. So uh, that's my concern. That's what I'm worried about. And that's what I'm going to be thinking. I'm just worried that I'm the type of person, yes, I am that type of guy, and I'm sorry for it, that's going to sit down there. And I may just be thinking more about who's in the theater than what's on the screen in the theater. And that, to me, would take all the enjoyment out of whatever I'm seeing on film. Yeah, I mean, you know, and again, like, it's going to vary depending on the individual, you know, how much you want to put yourself at risk, how much do you trust the theater sanitation. Like, it, it's not going to be the culture we saw before, right, where we saw, oh, there's a new Iron Man movie, so let's all flock out to the theater to go see this i don't think it's going to be like that anymore because you are going to have people who don't want to sit in the theater people who are going to be too afraid to get sick or people who are going to be calling the theater asking about sanitation like you're you are going to have different scenarios like that so i don't think we're ever going to see like packed shows again and like 
that makes me wonder like how this is going to affect box office revenue you know or a theater is going to play more shows more of one type of movie are we going to see less of a variety in theaters because they have to put the same film in so many of their venues tenant comes out july 16th and it's making me wonder like will all this be figured out by then because i don't know if this is one that a lot of people are going to run out to the theater to see but it's one that i would want to go to the theaters to see well let me ask you this i was thinking about it while you were talking as remember when last year you and the whole crew from Topic Oculus, you came down to watch the movie with us at Samstown here in Las Vegas. And we were all together on one row, all packed together, just watching it and just enjoying it. Had a great time. Those type of instances where you have a theater filled up like ours was, those may be long in coming. And let me ask you this. This could irrevocably change the way we view theaters and the way we view movies. And AMC says they're on the ropes as far as a theater chain, as far as going out of business. Would or could Avengers Endgame truly wind up as being the number one box office film of all time by default? Because theaters will no longer be as plentiful or people will not want to go to the theater experience as much as they once did. Um, I don't know. So this is just my personal opinion. So listeners don't, you know, feel like I'm speaking for everybody. But uh, in my opinion, I think that the COVID scare will last. It will probably last a couple years at the least. But I mean, I think there will be a time when people will be more than happy to go back to the theaters. Who knows, you know, if, if the if people are building up their immunity or, you know, vaccines or whatever it might be, like, I think there will be a time when people go back to the movie theaters, people will call their buddies on Thursday night, say, hey, let's go to the premiere of Star Wars or something like that. I think that that time will return, but I don't think that it's going to be in the immediate future. I don't think it'll ha- it, it'll be months, if not years, before that happens again. But there may not be as many theaters as there once was before the coronavirus outbreak or before, let's say it gets back to normal by 2023, which is what they're thinking Las Vegas will eventually become it, it, the level of volume of here because we just opened up this past week our casinos back again and it's very limited right now limited to who people can access it play games etc 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 i think the same would hold true like we're talking about for theaters and pretty much for everything else restaurants and whatnot but analysts are talking about las vegas getting back to quote unquote normal not until the year 2023 or even possibly later the same thing can hold true for the movie theater chains out there. But by 2023, if that same thing happens, there might be a lot less theaters to draw from, or at least maybe a thousand less. Or like if, because we said AMC might be on the, on the ropes, Regal or anybody else might be on the ropes as well. There will still be theaters by that time. There may just not be as many theaters on that, you know, then. And it would take a situation where we're going to have to start rebuilding theaters again, building theaters or going into spaces where they're becoming more plentiful again. But by that time, will digital have taken over as well? That's something to think about as well. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I I think that, you know, there's two uh, possible scenarios that could result from this, right? It could be the consumers will truly decide the fate of movie theaters, you know, if they're willing to go back to them or not, or movie theaters will have no choice, but do what universal is doing. It's the, it's the adapt or die scenario. Like you have to, if you're 
not having people go to the theaters, then you're going to have to come up with something to allow the theaters to go to the people. Because the, if, if two years is when things are going to go back to normal, that could really be the nail in the coffin for movie theaters, especially if nobody goes. And, you know, it'll be interesting, you know, Tenet, we'll see if people go to see it or not. But I mean, when Marvel drops their next film, you know, what, what are the box office numbers going to be for that? You know, especially if, if theater capacity is limited, people are afraid, you know, I think that Disney, these big companies, Disney, Warner brothers, you know, I think they will be the ones that end up, uh, deciding you know what's going to happen to the future of cinema that's true but also like i said before we're we're talking about a lot of variables here but the tastes that people have in how they watch their films could change dramatically as we're seeing already with digital they could become very used to seeing movies on digital and just wait then so even if things do get better by said year whatever it is 21 22 or 23 that it could be irrevocably changed about if the number of people going back to the theaters is as plentiful as it was before i mean people just may get used to saying hey you know what i'm just gonna go wait and watch in digital or film companies may just say you know what after three to four weeks they're just gonna pop it on digital regardless they're gonna say you know give a you know what to the uh theater companies that are out there and just say you know what three four weeks i'm putting this thing on digital outside of a really big hit movie so that's that's something that we worry about as far as the taste changing for moviegoers that are out there that could become used to digital so the box office experience it's it's going to be quite different now and in the future and to what extent i'm not quite sure but i'll tell you what if any movie this summer is going to get me back into the theaters it's going to be tenant I know you said it's going to be something that's going to get you back in theaters. And let's hope, for the sake of the theater experience, that Tenet can be that tentpole movie that brings a lot of people back into the movie theaters as well. What are your thoughts out there on Tenet? Are you really excited for it like we are? Have you checked out the trailers and seen Jonathan Nolan's latest movie coming to the big screens next month? We're going to be talking about it again here in the not-too-distant future when it comes out, but we're excited right now. Will it get you back into theaters? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, wanted to ask you real quick about HBO Max. You know it's been out now for a little over a week. Everything's hunky-dory with it. It's got its fans. It's got its detractors. It's got a lot of stuff out there. It's it's trying to make its way into that that big four, big five. When you're talking about you know Netflix, Disney Plus, Amazon Prime, Hulu, CBS All Access, Apple Plus, the whole nine yards and all that. But I wanted to ask you this: as I was shouting off the channels when we first talked about the introduction and debut of HBO Max, one of the things that got to me was the, the you know the, the devotion to anime and mind you they don't have as large a library yet as let's say Netflix or some of the others that are out there Crunchyroll and things of that nature but I want to hear your thoughts I know you've had a chance to check out a little bit of what HBO Max has to offer in the realm of anime do you think it could be a big player in this industry or do you think they're just going to keep on dabbling with it and not much more 
You know, that's interesting. A lot of people are asking that. You know, and I know they have some big ones there. They got like Rurouni Kenshin. They have uh, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. They were s smart to snatch up the uh, streaming rights to the Studio Ghibli films because those are ones that people will watch over and over and over. And they're ones that they want to show their kids. And like it baffles me that Disney didn't do something with those when they had the, the distribution rights to them. But I think that, you know, there is potential there to get people interested in anime but i think until they do what netflix does and has their own original anime series like they're hiring people from the industry people who uh have you know big names the akira toriyamas and, and until they're like snatching up these and having things exclusively for hbo max i don't think that they're really going to like be a big player in that industry but you know again with the studio ghibli films like i have a lot of friends who just the ability to watch all of those makes that payment worth making every month and that was the big key was the studio ghibli films i mean i saw the list of what they have i've heard and read the news what it means to fans out there i think that was a very smart move as well by hbo max and the whole warner brothers and the whole nine yards as far as whoever's involved in in combining for this hbo max i think it's something that you know people need to be aware of if you're anime fans i think it's something that you know with Crunchyroll and with Netflix, they've got a lot of great stuff. But in the future, going forward, if there are players or they could even make originals, there's a possibility that they can make their own original anime stuff, which would be very appealing to those wanting to go ahead and lean towards one or the other. And that's the thing. Netflix, Crunchyroll, they all want to go ahead and after the, the properties that are out there, but it's whoever makes the best original anime, I think, going forward will be the big winner in the future. There's a lot of new anime coming out of Japan. Like, it's it's crazy. There's there's so much being made there all the time. And, you know, I don't know how COVID has affected things over there. But with, uh, you know, Funimation does not buy back the after they lose the distribution rights. So a lot of the anime that they put out, they don't bother getting it back. So, I mean, there's like a lot of possibility for... Uh, a company like HBO Max or Netflix to to really like create a new a rise in uh, you know demand for anime and I'm surprised that that didn't happen over the course of the whole you know the quarantine thing that's I mean remember we talked about that I was like if they were smart while well, these studios are shut down they'd be going after anime rights and a lot of people they no one ended up doing that and it's like this was their chance you know this is their opportunity to say look at video games I mean if you could follow anything, look at video games and see there are people who jump back on video games, just as I know there are people who went back and started watching Naruto and Dragon Ball Z. Like if they if these companies were smart, they would jump on anime because anime is something that that it yeah, it has its cycles, but when it has its cycles, it, it booms. That's for sure. And I wouldn't say it's on a major boom, but it is something right now that a lot of people are paying attention to. I mean a lot a lot of People are interested in what's going on. And I know you talked to me the other day about who's really getting some interest. And that's like the anime collector. And, and there, there's other shows that are out there, whether it's podcasting or anything related to the anime world, that are really getting a lot of attention. Because anime in and of itself is something that is getting a lot more attention because of how Netflix and Crunchyroll are spotlighting the anime genre. And now HBO Max has added their two cents into it as well so i'm looking forward to seeing what hbo max will have to offer when it comes to the world of anime 
I, I think they could become a big player into it. I think that they are willing to spend the time and money if they see, you know, the investment in it. At least initially, I think they will. Again, to me, it's going to be what original anime works that are new and fresh can they latch themselves onto that's away from, let's say, what they can get on Netflix and Crunchyroll or any other outlet for that matter. So it all depends on what HBO Max, Netflix, or, or anyone else gets as far as new and original anime, like you said, coming out of Japan or anywhere else for that matter. There's a lot of anime being produced in China too. Like, I mean, I don't know if it's technically called anime, but it looks similar to and it's it's got all the same type of storytelling like even there are american studios making anime look at uh rooster teeth and ruby and stuff like that so it, it's really just like there's a big demand in america for anime and it seems weird that hbo's not you know maybe they are they just started so maybe they are but i mean it just feels weird that not a lot of companies have gone after it you know i'm curious how the whole Kingdom Hearts thing will do on Disney Plus, but it, yeah, it's just like there's a lot, there's an untapped market, and you know, I think once they kind of start diving into that, then we're going to see they will see return on it. Well, there's only so many existing properties that are popular that are known in the world of anime, and most of them have already been snatched up already. It's now what's new and what's fresh that's going to be coming down the line, like you said, from Japan, from possibly even China or the United States or Europe and beyond. Who can you know have that hot, fresh IP that people in the anime world, fans all over, can be looking forward to and, and are looking forward to in the world of anime? So I think HBO Max can be a decent player, but whether or not they want to commit to it, we'll have to wait and see. But it's nice to see that they have a sampling and offering of uh, anime channels there on HBO Max, and we'll look forward to seeing what HBO Max, Netflix, and Crunchyroll, and everyone else it's going to be doing out there in the streaming world when it comes to anime. What are your thoughts out there on anime and HBO Max? Do you think they can become a big player in the industry? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super Collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever he fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end what will he get how will he get it and how well will he do find out november 1st 2020 disintegration is a video game coming out this week stop me if you heard this before my friend space shooter halo multiplayer Halo, all that great stuff from the creator of Halo, or I should say one of the creators, the people behind Halo, is responsible for disintegration. It's coming out this week. Have you had a chance to take a look at it? And if so, what are your thoughts on the game? I have gotten a chance to take a look at it. I'm not like super impressed by it. So anytime Sony makes something and people start calling it the, you know, quote unquote, Halo killer it, it never pans out that way. Remember, they said the same thing about Killzone and... Or was it Kills, Killzone, Killzone right? and Resistance. Killzone and Resistance. And those games just kind of, like, faded into the back of people's memories. And I, they, were I know for, they were good, too. They were good, too, but, good. No, but not they, Halo. Yeah, they weren't... Yeah, they weren't Halo. Halo... 
and it's not just, what people don't understand with these games is that like space shooters especially it's not about you know we kind of discuss this with, with mass effect it's not just about the gameplay it's not just about the multiplayer it's about the story like look at how rich the world is despite the fact that halo 5 was not that great just look at how rich the mythology is surrounding that world. You know, you have so many layers and they don't just, they're not just sending you in to shoot things and, and aliens are they're, they're sending you in. You're learning like theology and you're learning philosophy. And it's the same. They did the same thing with uh, mass effect. You know, they talk about how, who wandered the galaxy before the Solarians, before the humans, before the Krogans, you know, and who created the Reapers, you know, and by creating depth, you create a desire to consume content, if that makes sense. And I think that Halo has hit that nail on the head. And people, that's why even so, people who love Sony will buy an Xbox if only just to return it 30 days, just 30 days later, just to play Halo. And until these, these developers realize that there's more to the world needs to be rich it needs to be more than gameplay more than weapons more than multiplayer stuff you need to have some like a story you need to make people feel like they're being pulled out of their world and put into this one until and until that formula gets nailed down i don't think that there will ever be a halo killer i don't think there will ever be a halo killer either except for halo itself because in the latter episodes of halo they've done some things to try and kill off the Halo franchise itself. Yeah, you know, that's why I think it's been... What was Halo 5? Was 2012? I think a little bit later than that. I think it was 2014. 2014, yeah. But I think, you know, we for a while there, we had a new Halo every two or three years. But this is like the biggest... You know, it's been six years, and I think it's because people they heard the complaints that came out of halo five people really didn't like what they did to cortana what they did to uh the master chief like they people really were not fond of that they weren't fond of like switching teams so they're i think they're taking the time to go back to the you're right it is 2012 just heads up okay yeah so it's it's eight years you know i think they're like taking really taking the time to go back to basics and find out what was it that made this franchise such a huge success on the original xbox it was more than the the gameplay you know it was the the story people love the story and when you screw up the story then you're asking for disaster you know and you you also forgot halo 5 guardians which came out in 2015 Uh, i played through that one and that one was quite a disappointment i know your your mind just blocked that out on halo 5 (laughs) yeah okay well yeah halo 5 guardians like that was um that's the one that kind of put a, a bad taste in my mouth. I didn't mind Halo 4. You know, I'll, I'll be completely honest. Like, it wasn't, it didn't have, like, the thrill to me of, like, Halo 3. I didn't feel like I was saving the galaxy. I just felt like I was somewhere I didn't belong. Halo 5, on the other hand, was was rough. It was really rough for me to play. Like, I, I just, I felt like the story I love was being dismantled. And that was something that was... uh tough for me so that's why i'm really excited for the next iteration of halo to come out just because i want to see like they're at a make it or break it moment i know we're talking about disintegration but like halo's at a make it or break it moment if this next game's not good then yeah it's possible the halo killer is halo itself yep and the halo we'll see with halo infinite i mean later this year when it's supposed to be scheduled to come out uh i would just think that with all the stuff that's going on and the first-person shooter 
concept has been, I don't want to say done to death, but every variation seemingly has been done to it at this point in time. It's going to be interesting to see what Disintegration offers when it comes out later this week. It's not coming out with a whole lot of hype behind it, even though it has that Halo pedigree. But again, we'll wait to see what the scores are. We'll, we'll wait to see what the reception's like. I don't want to go ahead and poo-poo on it now because you don't know what, what it's going to be. This is a, a new studio. It does have that Halo pedigree. does have the people from Halo involved in it. But it is a new studio, so this is our first effort. So I'm hoping it will be a successful one for them because it is one of the maybe only two games that are coming out this month of any real stature i mean outside of the last of us part two so we'll see what happens with disintegration i'm hoping it will cure that halo fix a lot of people are looking for but then again it might be a situation where it just turns out to be another first person shooter because we've got so many that are out there right now with call of duty Warzone, call of duty itself apex legends you know the list seemingly goes on and on and on when it comes to first person shooters borderlands 3 and all that so I wanted to say right now that I'm hopeful that Disintegration can find its way and navigate through all the first-person shooters and find itself a new audience. And I'm hoping that it will become a, a tempo game for you know, whatever uh, system it goes on to coming up here early, you know, starting early this week here on the 12th, I believe, coming up. So I'm looking forward to it, uh, to seeing what the reaction is more so than almost the game itself yeah yeah and you know you're right yeah the the first person shooter genre it's been done to death no pun intended look at mass effect you know i know we keep going back to this game but look at mass effect the mechanics of that game the the shoot at least the part where you're shooting for as far as third person shooting goes it is stale like it's boring it's just it's the same things over and over again oh look there's strategic cover let me get down and pop up and shoot for a little bit gears of war same thing but what those games do well is they utilize their worlds they utilize their ability to tell a story so it makes you feel that even though those mechanics are repetitive you're doing it for a reason there's a greater cause happening there and if disintegration can do that then good for them then i'm sure people will love it but uh, that seems to be what gamers clamor for outside of the ones who just play fortnite <laughs> and there are people that play a lot more than fortnite i mean minecraft i think it's probably bigger than ever you know, it got a rise back again, uh, you know, right around the time we were starting our show here at the Pop Culture Cosmos a few years back. And now it's, it's risen up again to at the top of the heap. And let's not forget Roblox, which has been a tremendous hit out there and also a tremendous hit for us as based off of our numbers that we see when we even mention Roblox. But if that's the case... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of different variating game styles and game players out there. But in the world of shooters, I'm hoping Disintegration will find its way through and make its own name and not be swept under the rug. Because anytime you see a new studio taking a chance and putting something out there that's of any double or even close to a triple A quality or level type game, you want them to succeed because you want to see another choice as far as easily recognizable games out there in the video gaming universe not just be because right now 
this is different from the first decade and, and previous decade of the 90s and the first decade of the century where you had indies, A, AA, AAA games. Now at this point, it's, it's devolved into indies, maybe a little bit of A's, and then it goes straight to AAA. So there's nothing seemingly in between. And I think this is Disintegration's chance to be at least in that mix as far as double-A getting in there and getting if it's big enough hit, it could become a triple-A game. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it sounds like it's got the talent behind it, so we'll just have to wait and see how it does. You know, there's a good year for something like that, for a Proving Grounds game to come out, though, too, because, like you said, there's not a lot of things coming out that are worth playing. And as you said on a previous episode, more people are playing video games now than ever. So that's something that you brought up that was a fair point that, like you said, the gaming industry as a whole is shot up to the roof. What are your thoughts out there on Disintegration from the makers of Halo? We want to hear your thoughts. Have you checked it out already? It's coming out this week on the 12th, so stay tuned to it if you're interested in those shooters out there. Let us know your thoughts if you played it or if you've seen it in action and let us know your thoughts to think it could be that next AAA game that people are wanting to go ahead and see evolve into a franchise. I know the makers of Disintegration really wanted to go that way, but I want to hear your thoughts. When you start playing it later this week, is it that game that's going to scratch that Halo itch? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Thanks for checking out the PCC, you know, the Pop Culture Cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. I should have some like theme music going on. Some like movie theme music for our countdown when it comes to our top 100-ish. That's what I'm going to officially name it. The top 100-ish movies for Pop Culture Cosmos, as voted on by our followers and listeners of the Pop Culture Cosmos. Cannot thank everybody, cannot thank everybody enough for, for going ahead and taking the time to send in their list. We calculated and tabulated all the lists and gave them certain point values based on where people thought they were and their top tens and whatnot. And you know what? We made a list of 100-ish movies. You can start seeing them written on our popculturecosmos.com site as of today. We already have a little bit farther on our list here on the radio show. So I want to ask you, my friend, we're up to 69. No jokes, please. 69 on our list of the top 100-ish movie countdown. And put on your superhero music, my friend, because it is time for the Avengers. So I want to hear your thoughts. When you first sat down to go check out Marvel's culmination of the Phase 1 process in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and probably their biggest gamble up until that point, Marvel's Avengers. 
it was an experiment, you know, then they succeeded in their experiment. So everyone was kind of eager to see how that was going to play out. But I was, I was stoked, you know, because like, I'm a, I'm a comic book fan. I've read the Avenger comic books. I've read Captain America. You know, I, I grew up reading these comic books, playing with these toys, watching the cartoons. So yeah, I was excited to see all these people on screen for the first time. And, you know, outside the incredible Hulk, there wasn't really a Marvel film that I was incredibly disappointed with and even the incredible hulk i wasn't like down on but it, it just it it was fun to see all these characters come together especially with the addition of mark ruffalo playing the hulk instead of edward norton but uh yeah this was something nobody had ever done before this was completely new territory and this the avengers does and will continue to define the generation of films that follow look at the the dc's extended universe even in gaming now remedy has a connected universe the the books they created the concept of connected universes and i don't think the landscape for storytelling will ever be the same what are your thoughts though i agree with you my friend i mean it reshaped the way we view the movie experience and in regards to the gamble it was a gamble uh, i know and not everybody at disney and marvel saw eye to eye under what kevin feige was thinking under his hat but you know what? He was very astute in how he saw moviegoers would actually enjoy the moviegoing experience and telling an overarching narrative, getting to not only see the standalone films, but to see it culminate in these steps. And this was really major step one of this part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the Avengers. And it's so iconic now because not only was it a solid film, it, people out there don't really poo-poo on it. They think it's not the greatest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe films, but they, they don't think it's the worst one. And they think most most of them, like us, like us out there, think it's pretty good. That's all it needed to be. It was a pretty good film, and that's what it was. And it showed off what it needed to show off. And it did enough right things to go ahead and say, you know what, we've got this here, and we've got this going forward. And it took everything that they build up in phase one and just made a click and avengers is our number 69 movie on our countdown number 68 is a historic movie for many reasons one of mel brooks finest movies i think in his arsenal and that's blazing saddles so i want to hear your thoughts man it's a movie that pushed a lot of boundaries at the time and even if you watch it today still does push a lot of boundaries i think it sends a lot of the right messages and to me, it was a film way ahead of its time. Yeah, it was a film that was it was aware of itself, you know, and that's like that's why I I look back and I think of all like the you know the words they used in that film. They knew what they were doing. It was very aware of itself, you know. It was it was kind of like even a commentating on that type of behavior. And today, I see why people get upset about it, but I also feel like it's a very important film that people should sit down and watch if even just turn it on the family safe version of it i think it's it's a very important and impactful film i agree with you my friend and that's number 68 and that is blazing saddles number 67 is a movie i know you like to talk about and that's a movie that really put kevin smith on the map and that movie when i saw it way back when i thought oh it's a pretty good movie but little did I know it would gain such a cult following and be the start of a great line of success for Kevin Smith. So tell me a little bit about Clerks, our number 67 film. So Clerks is actually like what got me interested in wanting to make films. You know, that's what started the whole thing for me. 
granted i have never like made a film yet i did my my school projects but i mean like that's what made me want to take the classes that's what made me want to learn how to do screenplays my first screenplay in school that i wrote was inspired by clerks so clerks is basically just about two guys you know they work in a convenience store it's all done in black and white very low budget but it's like though there's only two or three set pieces in this it feels very big it's the first time I've seen a movie that just going into the characters' minds made it feel so expansive, you know, and that was the debut of Jay and Silent Bob, and, you know, there's been a lot more films branched off of those guys, but again, another movie you probably wouldn't be able to make today, but I think that it's an important film. And that's number 67, and that is Clerks from Kevin Smith. Number 66, Django Unchained, a movie that is well thought of, movie that also pushes a lot of boundaries and a movie that is considered to be one of Tarantino's best. And <laughs> those endings of Tarantino movies, I mean, really, some of them are just really out there. I know we've talked about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We've talked about before Inglorious Bastards, about the endings to those movies. His movies, endings, I think, I think for me now it gets to the point where when I watch a Tarantino film, I'm just waiting for the ending because I know it's going to be something out there and something crazy. And Django Unchained, <laughs> it's no exception. You'll see when you finally see Django Unchained. Number 66 on our list. Number 65 is a film that's grown quite a bit in infamy since its initial theatrical run, and that's Donnie Darko. So I want to hear your thoughts, man. It's a movie that goes into the into the weird into the very weird so yeah donnie darko is just an examination of the human psyche i remember being in high school my friends were obsessed with this movie and like uh, maybe i saw it too late you know i saw it in the midst because i seeing all these things for the first time i really loved uh, you know boondock saints and uh clerks and all these other films and i sat down to watch donnie darko i'm like yeah it's good but it's not those other movies you know and so my friends all really loved it and i remember sitting there watching it thinking like eh, okay it's it's cool i mean it's trippy but it's not something that like i think i think maybe i was just not in a place to appreciate it at the time but uh you know it's possible i could go back and watch it and and be amazed by it but this is one of those films too like there's been i think one or two spin-off sequels or prequels to this film and uh i just i feel like you delegitimize a film by making something that like a straight to VOD or DVD prequel or sequel to it. So, I mean, maybe I need to just go back and watch it again, but you know, those are my thoughts on that one. Donnie Darko is a movie that's very different, very strange. I don't know if it translates as well today as it did then, but it's a movie that's still beloved and it is number 65 on our list of the top 100 ish movie countdown for pop culture cosmos. Number 64 on our countdown is a movie you mentioned, and that is Mad Max Fury Road. So I want to hear your thoughts on, you just said you just saw Mad Max Fury Road. It is a brilliant movie in a post-apocalyptic world. To me, it was a very intense movie. Tom Hardy was brilliant in the movie. Charlize Theron is fantastic in the film. I mean, it was really a, a very, very good film to follow. Being so many years away from the previous Mad Max film, so... I want to hear your thoughts on Mad Max Fury Road at number 64. Mad Max Fury Road, this is one I actually watched. I started it a couple nights ago and I finished it last night. 
It's very operatic. You know, it's it's one of those like it it's an art piece. I wouldn't really say that it has a narrative. And I guess a lot of the Road Warrior, Mad Max, those films are all kind of like that, right? You have the main character doesn't talk much, you just, and he's just existing in this world of madness that takes place all around him. It is a beautiful film. The editing is amazing. The colors really bring out the mood. You know, the action is just, it's nonstop. You're on the edge of your seat the whole time. And just seeing how, like, messed up and grotesque this world is, is just, it's enamoring. You can't look away. You just want to keep watching. And then the way they end it is cool, too, because they just show Max walking away, doing what he does, you know, become, being the road warrior, walking away, going back on his journey, saying, like, oh, hey, one day we'll see what else he's up to next if George Miller decides to make another film in that universe. I'm hopeful for a sequel for that film because it is one of the best films of the last decade. That's Mad Max Fury Road at number 64. Number 63. All right, sing with me, my friend. Holiday Road. Holiday Road. Okay, I know everybody's just, like, turning off the channel right now, but... It's close to the end of the show. National Lampoon's Vacation. One of Chevy Chase's finest performances. I still like Fletch over this film. I think he carried that film to greatness. But, yeah, just, just seeing him with that, that scene with Christy Brinkley where she pulls up in her car and he's just like, oh, 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 oh. Yeah, that, that right there was just hilarious. He, he's funny throughout. And, and Chevy Chase is not much better than, than what he, you see in National Lampoon's Vacation at number 63. You know, it's funny because he is that character in all the vacation movies. He's kind of like, he's a little bit of a louse. You know, he's always like staring at other women. And that, that's like what brings out a lot of comedy in those see i remember like bits and pieces of it but it is something that yeah i'd like to go back and watch one day but like i don't have the fond memories of it because just because i saw it so so long ago but yeah i mean i would love to go back and re-watch these films and the security for wally world the late john candy so i know a lot of people uh, yeah yeah but that's National Lampoon's Vacation at number 63, a hilarious movie. And if you get a chance, remind yourself of it. One of Chevy Chase's finest films, and that is National Lampoon's Vacation at number 63. Number 62, going back to the Spaghetti Westerns and Sergio Leone directing this film. He directed quite a few of the Spaghetti Westerns out there that are well known. This is one of them. Uh, it's not my favorite from that era. My favorite from the era is The Good and the Bad and the Ugly. But Once Upon a Time in the West, for me, it's most interesting. You know why? Because Henry Fonda, people who are familiar with the film or with the works of Henry Fonda, thought of him as always the fatherly type, good guy, always playing those leading man roles. And this was one of his few times that he got to play the bad guy, and he did it extremely well in Once Upon a Time in the West. Came out. Same year I was born in 1969, right there for you. It's at number 62 on our list. Number 61, Josh, get to the chopper. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger at its hammiest, along with Jesse the Body Ventura and quite a few others, Carl Weathers, who's still around today making hit TV shows in The Mandalorian. It's Predator. What are your thoughts at number 61 for Predator? Get to the chopper! You know what? So I I saw this movie when I was in middle school. First time I'd seen it. I, I remember being really into this series because I had just seen Alien vs. Predator. 
that's what like made me want to go back watch all the predator films watch all the alien films it's a movie that you probably wouldn't be able to make in the same vein today like it's, it's funny because this movie takes itself more serious than the latest iteration of predator to come out it is a total 90s action film and it is it does it fulfills everything you don't have to think about anything there's no like layers or depth you don't like wonder where these characters came from where where did the the predators come from you just sit down and enjoy it it's like the mummy and i think that's why people love it so much just because it it it's a science fiction film and it's just a it's a fun popcorn flick i enjoyed it predator 2 people are really mixed on it i actually enjoyed predator 2 and I always have that funny story. I told it to you years ago about how Predator 2 was one of the first films ever to have the Dolby digital surround sound experience. And I went there with a friend and it's blowing away because they had it like to octave number 10. So they're blowing it away and just hear all the sounds all around me. And the first time I'm experienced that audio sensation, I'm like, oh man, this is so cool. This is so cool. Turn to my friend. Hey man, are you? This is awesome, man. I'm hearing all the bullets whizzing by my head. This is just an awesome experience. And he's asleep. But Predator, the original one, is a very fun film to watch. It is a popcorn flick. And I do like it. I do enjoy it. I know a lot of other people have as one. We're seeing it today even you know the predator name continue on in form as the predator hunting grounds that game that has come out that's been pretty successful and has the arnold schwarzenegger dlc the dutch savage dlc added onto it recently where you can play as dutch savage and and shout get to the chopper it's predator and it is number 61 on our list and finally number 60 on our list of the top 100 ish movie countdown for pop culture cosmos scarface Say hello to my little friend, number 60, it's Scarface. You know, Scarface is one of those movies that, like, I remember watching it with my dad when I was a kid, and I was just sitting there like, I have never seen so many people getting shot at one time. Like, I've never seen so much blood and so much just violence for the sake of violence. And, like, I remember going to bed, like, when you're a kid, that stuff really does stick with you. And I was just like, I thought about it for days, and, like, I never watched it again. You know, maybe it's something that I should go back and watch again just to appreciate what it is. But it pushes the envelope something fierce. There's a lot of gunplay, there's a lot of violence, and there's a lot of cocaine in that movie. Let's say you wanted to go ahead and tell somebody, you know what? I want you to go ahead and watch one film from the 1980s that exemplifies the excesses of the 1980s. What would that be? I would probably lean them in the way or in the direction of Scarface because that to me represents a lot of what the late 70s, early 80s was all about. Well, that's our list from number 60 to 69 on our list of the top 100-ish movie countdown for Pop Culture Cosmos. If you got any thoughts on our latest countdown of 60 to 69 right there for you or our previous numbers that we talked about, or even any ones that you'd like to see in the future, even though we've already tabulated the votes, but you always want to talk about movies out there. Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And also, we are updating the list as much as possible in the coming days. Check it out, popculturecosmos.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I'm hoping for a good week. I want everybody to stay safe stay healthy out there and our thoughts are with you as you go ahead and go about your week but josh any last thoughts on the way out 
Negative, sir. I think I'm pretty good. You know, I'm sure there'll be some more news coming out here this week that we can talk about, but I always enjoy talking about movies, you know, especially ones that I've seen. So uh, keep on keeping on. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glass. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself. Oh, great.